You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Welcome to this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. And as normal, I'd like to start with a call out to all of our new listeners this week. And this week we have new listeners in London, Portsmouth, Reading, Manchester, Sheffield, Southampton, Nottingham, Guildford, Coventry, Birmingham, Glasgow, Hemel Hempstead and Cleveland. And then over in Europe, we have new listeners in Oversel in the Netherlands, Oslo in Norway, Fribourg in Switzerland, Zug in Switzerland, La Coruña in Spain, Barcelona in Spain, Milan in Italy, Turin in Italy, Hamakez in Israel, Mumbai in India, Mexico and Kentucky in the US. And that, of course, on top of all our existing listeners all around the world. And as always, I'm extremely grateful to all of you for giving up 30 minutes of your week to listen to all the latest news uh, around the world of GDPR. And uh, I hope you find the show interesting and entertaining. And thank you for all your feedback. And just a reminder that if you have any feedback, please do email it to me at podcasts at insurety.co.uk. That's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y. .co.uk. I'm sorry I don't have time to reply to all the emails, but I do read every single email we receive, and thank you very much for all the positive feedback that you send in to me. And if you've got feedback or you've got any thoughts on future articles you'd like to see covered on the GDPR Weekly Show, then please do drop me an email to podcast at insurety.co.uk. And in a few moments, I'll be telling you what's coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. So coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, we have a quick look at the latest events in Brexit this week and their likely impact on GDPR. We then have a look at a survey amongst HR professionals on the effect on HR of GDPR and where loopholes have been found that could give HR professionals and companies HR departments potential headaches in as far as GDPR is concerned. Then we have a update on the latest data breach at Facebook of their Facebook images via the API. We have an update on the NHS and their decision to finally uh, ditch fax machines and stop buying fax, any new fax machines with effect from January 2019. And then finally for this week, we have a look at some survey results from a survey which has been conducted into some 1,000 small and medium-sized enterprises and how GDPR has affected them. So once again, a very packed episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, which I hope you find very useful, informative and entertaining. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Well, it's certainly been a busy week in the UK for uh, Brexit again this week and those who watch the news or have a passing interest in the news probably can't have failed to have noticed that the government uh, pulled back on its withdrawal bill from Parliament and actually stopped the debate um, whilst it was still in progress, hoping to get a better deal from the EU, although as we head now towards a new week it looks unlikely that anything substantial is going to change and 
we mentioned last week that Brexit really had a little effect on uh, UK companies as far as GDPR was concerned because the principles contained within GDPR were also contained within the new UK Data Protection Act 2018 and that remains the case, that remains to be correct. However, as there now looks to be an increasing danger that we could crash out of the um, EU rather than having an orderly exit, it is worth considering then that in the eyes of the EU we would only be considered to be what they could refer to as a third country. And what that means is that we'd actually need to have our data processing approved by the EU before we would could be considered to be a suitable country for EU companies to export their data to or vice versa for us to hold data on EU citizens. Now, there's little doubt, I think, given that the UK Data Protection um, Act 2018 mirrors GDPR that we would be able to satisfy the EU authorities that we were a competent country and that, and that we were processing data in accordance with GDPR but it does present a legal loophole and whilst I think for myself and for other practitioners we're in little doubt that consent would be given by the EU that we would be an acceptable country for EU countries to share their data with A. We can't take that as a given and B. It may not all happen on the 29th of March or the 30th of March They might drag their heels over it especially depending on the feeling of the EU when, when and if should we um, just walk away and I suspect part of that will also rely on whether or not we to pay the divorce payment which we are being expected to pay. So just a heads up really that if you have customers or you have staff within the EU but not in the UK you might need to think about just having some contingency in place for uh, if we do just have a drop out of the EU rather than an orderly exit and a signed and ratified withdrawal agreement. Not going to dwell on that now, but just a heads up. Check us out on Facebook. Just a reminder that as well as the podcast, we now have our own Facebook group. Please do pop along and see us there at https colon slash slash www.facebook.com slash groups slash GDPR weekly show. That's always one word, GDPR weekly show. And uh, do please come and join the group and follow the discussions that are going on. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. We know that a good number of our listeners are involved in the HR sector. And so we thought there would be interest in the result of some surveys this week looking at GDPR within HR and the way that HR could be possibly inadvertently exposing firms to potential fines from the ICO in respect of GDPR. Um, the survey carried out by CIPHR, who are an HR solutions provider, 
uh, found that a third of the HR teams they spoke to admitted to being in breach of the requirements of GDPR by failing to delete personal data about employees, leavers and candidates after data retention periods expire. And for those of you who've attended our training, you'll know that this is something which we put a lot of importance on, is that under GDPR, each item, each data item, has to have a data life. And it is very important that once you've established what that data life is, that you actually have procedures in place to make sure that data that falls outside of that data life is actually securely deleted. And as I say, from this survey, it would appear that around a third of HR teams um, don't currently do that. The survey surveyed 137 UK companies, and of those, four-fifths, 83%, said they had set retention periods for employees, leavers and candidate data, but just 69% said they'd put the policies into practice and actually deleted data where retentions have expired. Now, this is important. A, I think it's disappointing that only 83% have actually set retention periods in the first place, and if you have not yet set retention periods for your employee, leaver and candidate data, then you really should think about doing so. And if you need help with doing that, then please do reach out to us at Insurity and we will do our best to help you to set suitable periods. But it is the other side of the coin as well. It is important that once you've done that, you, you put a procedure in place which you run, I don't know, monthly, quarterly, probably I would say at least quarterly, possibly annually if you're only a small company. But, but for most companies, either... Um, monthly or quarterly that says okay if we've decided that we're going to keep uh, candidate data for six months after the application was received then you have a procedure in place where you go through after six months and you actually delete securely delete those candidates records that you're still holding six months after the date of application remember of course that you can make it an exception so you can say okay, we looked at this, it was due to be deleted after six months, but we decided we'd keep it for another six months. Now, that's fine, as long as you actually physically make that decision, and most importantly, you actually record that you made that decision, that you thought about it, and the decision you made was to retain the data for longer. There's no problem with retaining the data for longer, you just need to record the decisions. As we say many things in GDPR, it's about making sure you've got a clear record, a clear audit trail of what's happened. The apparent mismatch between the high proportion of HR teams who had updated their policies for GDPR, which was some 93%, had had employee training for GDPR, which was some 86%, and in any case had defined the data retention periods, which was 83%, and the relatively low proportion actively deleting expired data has to be a cause for concern and it really is important that you get this into place i really can't emphasize it enough because were any of these companies to be subject to an audit by the information commissioner's office then based on that these companies who are not deleting the data would fail the audit and that can lead to penalties on the company it also will lead to public naming and shaming of the company and I would suggest that most companies 
almost without exception, would not want that to happen. So it is important to get this into place. The study also found that HR professionals are widely ignoring one of the ICO's key recommendations for GDPR compliance, that of enabling self-service access to data. Only a third of respondents said they'd enabled self-service access to personal data for employees in response to GDPR, with that proportion falling dramatically for job applicants at just 7%, and even further for former staff at just 4%. Now, this is a double-edged sword because, on the one hand, I can sort of understand why that's possibly happened, that people are nervous about giving staff access to their own records. But on the other hand, bear in mind that it's now each member of staff, of course, can request a full copy of the data that you hold on them, and you have no choice but to provide that information to them within 30 days of them making the request. For a reasonable size organisation, if you don't have self-service, if you don't have a way where the employees can access that data themselves, you're actually generating an awful lot of work for your HR team to find that information, disseminate it to the employees, check that the employees are happy that it's correct. All that needs to be done, whereas if you enable self-service, of course, a lot of that goes away. Interestingly, 87% of companies who responded to this survey, even given all this, felt that they were fully compliant with the regulations, where of course the evidence is clearly that they're not. But even amongst those who did feel that they were fully compliant with the legislation, the confidence fell to only 79% when asked about did they think their whole organisation was compliant with GDPR. And that kind of fits with the figures that we've seen from other recent surveys, that around 20% think that they're not compliant at all. And that's kind of worrying now that we're six months in and, and uh, we'll be looking at that as we go into the new year. The survey also found that two-thirds of the HR teams had requested consent from employees, leavers and applicants to hold their personal data. Now, this could be a sign that there's a misunderstanding about consent because one of the things that those of you who've attended our training will know is that consent is only one of the reasons for being able to process data under GDPR. It's not the only reason. And there are other reasons, other legitimate interests, other vital interests, other contractual reasons why you can process data, particularly on employees, and you don't actually need them to give consent. And so it's kind of worrying that two-thirds think that you have to have consent. The other interesting thing is a number of companies, over half the companies, who hadn't considered that paper records were covered by GDPR, even though certainly those of you who have attended our training will be well aware that we always emphasise the fact that GDPR is not just about your computer records, it's about your paper records too, it's about your note on the calendar, it's about your diary, it's about all these different areas where things could go wrong. And so I'm just going to conclude this bit by saying that if you work in HR, then do have a think about do you have your procedures in place. If you've accessed our podcast via LinkedIn or via our posting on LinkedIn, then you'll notice there are two links this week. The first link on LinkedIn will be taking you to this podcast. 
what you're currently listening to. The second link will be taking you to a downloadable data sheet that we've created of all the actions that you need to be taking for GDPR in 2019. And so once you finish listening to this podcast or feel free to pause this podcast now, go and do this step and then come back, do go to LinkedIn, do get that second um, download. Feel free to share that download amongst your colleagues and indeed amongst your industry contacts. Do let us know if you find that download useful. Please put a comment on LinkedIn if you find that download useful. And that would be very helpful to get that feedback from you for us. So, as I say, if you work in HR, hopefully that's giving you some things to think about as we head into the new calendar year about GDPR and HR. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Barely a week goes by on the GDPR Weekly Show without us talking about Facebook. And lo and behold, of course, this week they are back in the news again. As you may have heard, they've had a security failure where a bug allowed people who were using the Facebook photo API to access users' private photographs without the user's permission. The bug was introduced in a software update on September 13th and Facebook became aware of and indeed fixed the breach on September the 25th. And yet, in action against GDPR, against the rules of GDPR, Facebook took from September the 25th to December the 14th to actually notify the Irish ICO, which is their uh, main ICO as Ireland is their main place of business in the EU. It took them all that time, so it took them best part of three months to actually notify the the Irish ICO that this bug had been discovered. Facebook, in their defence, said, well, it took them three months to establish what happened and whether it was a notifiable breach. Um, frankly I find that at best outside of the spirit of GDPR and at worst a blatant blatant breach of GDPR and a blatant contempt of the EU rules on data privacy because once they were aware of the breach and once they were aware of the scale of the breach which they obviously were by September the 25th, because if we bear in mind that by September the 25th they actually fixed it, I can't see any reason that they can justify that they did not report it to the Irish ICO within 72 hours of September the 25th, and indeed there's a very strong argument to say they should have um, notified the Irish ICO of it sometime around the 16th to 17th of September. But instead they chose to sit on it for three months. They chose to sit on it until mid-December. Now, it's good news, of course, that Facebook have fixed the breach. But it does rather make a mockery of GDPR if they are going to be able to get allowed to get away with not reporting a breach for three months. 
And so I sincerely hope, and we will keep a keen eye on this, but we sincerely hope that the Irish ICO will come down heavily on Facebook in this instance and will fine them severely for not complying with the 72 hours to report the data breach because, frankly, based on the evidence that's become available, I can see no logical excuse that Facebook can come up with as to why they've not done this other than purely business financial interest and that's not a reason under GDPR not to disclose such a major data breach. And let's face it, you know, people who upload their photographs to their private galleries in Facebook will have done so in good faith and not expecting that those people using third-party applications and using the API would be able to access those images with no respect to the original poster of the image at all. And of course, even though Facebook has now closed that loophole, heaven only knows how many individual images have been taken by third-party software using the API and stored on other applications outside of Facebook. And so, as I say, we wait to see what the outcome of the Irish ICO will be, but personally, I hope the ICO hits them with a severe fine for that, and we'll keep you updated with that in future episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. If you're a regular listener to the GDPR Weekly Show, you'll remember that a few episodes ago, we talked about a NHS trust who'd taken the decision not to uh, have fax machines anymore. And you may have spotted in the news this week that the government has now banned the NHS from buying any new fax machines from next month, from January 2019, and has told the NHS to phase out fax machines with NHS entirely by the 31st of March 2020. There are currently nearly 9,000 fax machines in use across the NHS in England. And incredibly, um, you know, in many places, they're used to transfer patient notes from one ward to another, despite the fact that it obviously is a very insecure method of transferring information. And uh, the Department of Health is now working with the different health trusts around the country and getting them to swap to using secure email for transferring patient notes rather than sending faxes from one machine to another. Uh, it does seem quite incredible, really, that the NHS must be one of the few places that's been stuck in the dark ages and uh, still using faxes. Um, a hospital pharmacy said that they were using the fax machines for discharge notes, for emergency documents and for out-of-hour services. And it really is quite crazy, I think, that this is still being allowed to happen. So I think this is a very welcome move. Um, most companies in the commercial world moved on from fax machines. In the early 2000s, really, certainly in the last 10 years, fax machines have really, really been phased out. And yet in the NHS, as we see, with 8,000 machines still in use, there's still a very active way of transferring information. And I think it's to be welcomed that from 
January, they will not be allowed to buy anymore. And from March 2020, they won't be in use anymore. And I think for all of us who deal with the NHS and you know, any of us who are patients in the NHS, it's extremely good news that at last this is being taken seriously and this potential area for major data breaches is being removed. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Another survey this week has been looking at small and medium-sized businesses and seeing where they are in relation to GDPR. And the um, survey was quite large. They spoke to just over a thousand small businesses. And they found various things which gave cause for concern. And this is quite aside from the HR survey, which we mentioned earlier in this episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. This is looking at business right across the board. Um, more than a quarter of companies are still allowing staff to use their own computers, tablets and phones for work purposes. And I think it's worth saying that that needs careful consideration if you're going to allow your staff to do that, to make sure that you're still compliant with GDPR and that data is being kept in a secure way as possible. Also, and this comes as no great surprise, and in fact I'm a bit surprised this figure is so low, the survey found that 1 in 10 revealed that the um, companies still had what I would call old-fashioned visitor books in their reception, where visitors can freely see details of others who are either currently in the building or have been there previously. And this is something which we've covered before in the GPR Weekly Show, and I make no excuse for covering it again. If you have an old-style visitor's book, now's the time to consign it to the threader and go and get a modern visitor's book. And modern visitor's books use carbon, and it means that the person writes their information into the visitor's book, just as they do now, but then they take that strip off, that becomes their badge, and the copy that's left in the book can't be read by anyone casually just looking at the visitor's book. Another area is, and this is perhaps important as we come up to the new year as well, is paper diaries because the survey found that some 26% of the companies they spoke to were still using paper diaries, which often contain private customer information. And so, again, it's worth looking at, you know, should you still be using paper diaries or is there now a more... Um, data-friendly way of handling that by using electronic devices. And the other issue which came up, which was one I must admit I'd not thought of, was where you have a member of staff who's carrying out a sponsored walk or a sponsored event, and you have a sponsorship form where people put their names and addresses. And, uh, of course, that makes those names and addresses available to anyone else looking at that sponsorship form. So, again... Perhaps now we just need to think about how you collect that information. Um, the other interesting cases were, were to come out from the survey as well were that around 25% of companies said they were using training materials which featured full details of real-life case studies. And I can't say strongly enough, this is a real no, 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 don't do it. Make sure you anonymise your case studies and make sure you anonymise them well so that 
it's not possible for people to identify an individual from the case studies that you're using in your training. The other thing to watch is when you have promotional images, which include your members of staff. If you're going to take staff photographs, and that's fine, of course, we all want to do that. We all want to have happy pictures of our staff, particularly on social media. Get your staff to remove their name tags first. Because otherwise you're putting their names, together with their faces, out onto the big wide world, onto the world wide web. And that in itself is a data breach. And so don't do it. If you're going to take photos of your staff, you're going to have pictures of your staff, fine, do that. But make sure they take their badges off. And whilst we're talking about pictures of staff, that brings us back to something we mentioned in an episode of the GDPR Weekly Show a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Christmas parties. If you're going to have a staff Christmas party, and almost all of us do at this time of year, of course, if photographs are taken at Christmas party, do not put those photographs up on your company Facebook page or your company Instagram account without the consent of the people who are in the photograph. Because if you do it without their consent, you're laying yourself open to possible action in the future. So just do not be tempted to do it. The other thing is, is again from this survey, which I found quite surprising, was the percentage of companies who said, they didn't take care to cross-thread all of the data that they were destroying that was paper data, whether that was staff records, visitors, books, minutes from meetings, whatever. They either weren't threading it at all, or they were using an old-fashioned uh, old spaghetti threader. Please don't do that. Please do invest in a cross-cut threader so that you can safeguard the data that you are destroying. Four out of ten companies didn't know that loss of physical paperwork could be a data breach, while 36% were not aware that personal data posted, emailed or faxed to the wrong person was a data breach. And six in ten had no idea at all where the barrier lied in terms of whether they needed to notify the ICO of a data breach or not. This to me highlights a big need for training and this is not just me saying it from a from a uh, company perspective, it is me saying it from a, a concern of someone who's worked in GDPR for the last two years. Please, please, please do make sure that your staff have adequate training and if you need training, please do get in touch with us and I'll be delighted to arrange some training for you, either actually on site in your premises, at our premises in Southampton or online via an online webinar but please do get in touch if you need training and if you're not sure if you need training a good place to start is to download the second file which we have with this week's um, podcast if you're if you picked up this podcast via linkedin and uh, please do download the second file from there and it will give you a handy checklist of things that you need to be doing in 2019 to ensure that you are GDPR compliant. Next week's GDPR weekly show, we will be looking at some thoughts on Christmas presents, given that we will only be two days away from Christmas. And just a reminder that there will not be a GDPR weekly show 
on the 30th of December because like most people we'll be off enjoying our Christmas break and so there will be a GDPR weekly show next week the 23rd of December and then our next GDPR weekly show will be in the first week of January and in case you missed next week's episode of the GDPR weekly show take the opportunity now and I'll repeat it next week to wish all of our listeners a very happy Christmas I hope everyone has a great time and here's to a peaceful and prosperous 2019 for us all. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback. By sending an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk. You can find out more about us and Insurity at www.insurity.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember to keep your data safe. Check us out on Facebook. The GDPR Weekly Show is an Insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurity.